Fires, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. For the second to last time in the regular season of the podcast, welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it. You love it. It is Victory Lane. This week on the show, the championship four is set after an unfortunate lackluster penultimate race at ISM Raceway. The K&M Pro Series West season and the K&M era is over. We have one race to go, one at Homestead Miami Speedway. We will talk about everything that went on this weekend, that will go on this upcoming weekend, and of course, Log Nuts of the Week. So we get this episode started, as we always do, with a good old-fashioned... Blue Green's Vacations 500 at ISM Raceway. Second to last race of the year. So much hype coming in. I actually took in the start of the race from Rattlesnake Hill with my girl Mercedes. Shout out to Mercedes, Miss Benz. And that was really cool. We climbed up there uh, because the press box at Phoenix doesn't really exist. So there's only a limited amount of people. So we went up to Rattlesnake Hill, took in the start of the race from up there. That was kind of on my bucket list to check off. So I really enjoyed that. That was cool. That delivered. Uh, It was very fun. Unfortunately, the race just didn't really deliver at all. We'll get to that. But you know who did deliver? Denny Hamlin. Yeah, Denny delivers. I didn't even plan that, but it's fun how that works out. So Denny Hamlin wins the race in dominating fashion at ISM Raceway. We have a lot, and when I say a lot, I mean a lot of audio clips mixed into this episode because we do not have a guest. However, I have a couple more in the can that I did this weekend. So we're going to have a lot of audio clips. Let's hear the first one from Denny, his thoughts on winning in what I think personally was a statement victory for him. Now is in the championship four for the chance, the chance, that's all he wanted, to win his first career title. Um, you know, it's it's so many different factors that goes into it. Um, I mean, how many times has the fastest car really won uh, the race? I, I don't know exactly what that number is, but uh, there's just so many elements that can take you out. Uh, it was looking like uh, that last caution, they were – trying to find a way to keep me out of there. But uh, it's just, uh, you know, like I say, it's, it's it's so difficult to win these races. So when you do and you execute the way we did and, and perform the way that we did, um, you always feel like you got a fighting chance. And I knew at the end of the race last week that we were going to have a fighting chance. Uh, I had all the parts and pieces I needed to be – to go to a Phoenix and, and win the race. It's just – but – it's all the unknowns that you don't know about. So I just made sure I did my job, and, and Chris worked really hard and did his job, and it's great to have a result like that. That's right. He had a fighting chance, and they fought until the very end. Do I hear a Washington Nationals stay in the fight? Still on cloud nine, by the way. Still need to get my championship merch. I've been on the road almost every weekend, so I haven't had the chance to. More Denny on the final restart. So there's four or so laps to go. Chris Gabehart calls him in. He calls an audible pretty much and takes two tires. There's two tires beside him. There's four tires behind him in the form of Kyle Busch as well as a couple other drivers and below him. So what was the mindset in the cockpit of the race car knowing that you're not you're not on as good as tires as the guys behind you, knowing that you have to win the race to get into the championship four, and knowing that this is the place that gave you demons nine years ago in 2010? So I wanted to choose the top simply because – I thought that if I went into turn one uh, side by side, I'd rather be on the high side. I, I thought that I'd seen Kyle get a pretty good run in the traction stuff uh, on a few restarts, and I saw it in a few restarts in the truck race as well. So I just thought that if I was going to be at a deficit of grip um, versus my competition, uh, I had the option to go up there and get more. Uh, it was going to be a longer distance, but I had the option to go up there and get the grip that they didn't have. Uh, and so I think that that was the reason I did it. And um, luckily it all worked out for sure, especially, 
you know, I think having the 12 under there uh, with two tires as well, you know, gave me a little buffer there because, you know, if, if it was Kyle side by side, I'm not sure I would have hold, held him off. Uh, but, you know, I would have damn sure tried. And I mentioned it right before. When we talked, at least coming into this weekend, when we talked about Phoenix and Denny Hamlin, we think immediately of 2010. That was when he ran out of fuel a couple times. He punched the dashboard. He threw the water bottle. He was not pleased, and he shouldn't have been. But he was a little younger then. He was a little bit more immature. Now, when we think of Phoenix and Denny Hamlin, we probably are going to think of 2019. He takes us back to that day in 2010, and you can get a kind of a glimpse of his mindset. We'll get to that in a little bit, and we'll hear more from him on that. But I was sitting right there in the press conference asking him questions just like everybody else, and I was really taken aback from this aspect of things when it comes to his mindset. So we'll get to that, but here's Denny on you know how that day in 2010 really shook out and what it means in the grand scheme of things for his career. I don't think we definitely weren't as dominant then as what we were today, but we still was leading uh, in a very key moment of the race. Uh, Jimmy was struggling. Um, you know, if you want to go as they run, like I was going to have to finish 25th or something at Homestead. It was going to be a pretty, pretty you know, nice, easy cakewalk, and, and nothing's a cakewalk, but you would think 25th is the way we were running that year. But running out a gas was uh, very unexpected. Um, that's why I kind of took it uh, as, as bad as I did because uh, it really was caught me off guard. Um, there was there was just nothing that indicated we were even close to running out of gas, um, but we did, and you know I just didn't know how to take it. I mean, I just uh, like I said, I, I I didn't prepare for the what if it doesn't work out. I was only going there thinking, well, that's what I'm gonna go come here, handle business, and go to Homestead and get the trophy. Uh, but I think over the years, you know, we're almost ten years later. You know, I'm just more content with uh, what I've accomplished in the series and. I don't need validation uh, of a championship. I think that, you know, outside world feels like I need that to, to validate my status, whatever it is, but it doesn't change who I am. Uh, it I doesn't change um, how I treat people or how I, I work. I'm going to work as if, – if I don't win this year, I'm going to work really hard in, for in 2020. So there's many, many, many more opportunities I feel like ahead of me this is not my last opportunity uh, to win a championship. And especially if the relationship that I've built with Chris, um, I see this going a long way. It shall go a long way, that's for sure. Here, here's a little more of it. Denny's going to have fun on his birthday weekend in Miami, and he is not going to do what he did in 2010. Nine years ago, he was different, sheltered, wanted to shut everybody out. 2019 is a different Denny Hamlin, and he's going to show it when he gets to South Beach. Definitely. Definitely. We're going to have fun, uh, no doubt. Uh, it's my birthday weekend. Homestead's always the birthday weekend. So I wanted to have two reasons to celebrate, not just one. Um, but in 2010, I shut everyone out. Like, I didn't, I didn't do any of the birthday stuff. I didn't hang out with anyone. I really didn't want to – I didn't respond to – calls or text or anything like that but I, I just I'm way I'm not going to be that way I don't think this time around because I just am not going to change who I am I mean I'm if, if I want to go out for a late dinner I'm going to go out for a late dinner it's what I do every single week and we won six races and had pretty good success so it's not going to make me run any better if I go to bed and lock myself in the hotel room at eight o'clock I guarantee that because it didn't in 2010 so uh, it's, uh, I, I'm going to enjoy it enjoy the moment. Um, because all you can ask for when you started the year was an opportunity for a chance, uh, to compete for a championship and we have a chance to compete. Um, and that's, uh, it's goal accomplished. Now we just, we just got to go out there and do it. That right there is the money bite. That is what I am talking about. He's so chill about it. You know what he said? Goal accomplished. We just got to go out there and do it. That guy's mindset is so A1. I I can't get over it, and I've been thinking about it ever since he spoke. I, I, I tried to do my post-race video report kind of talking about his mindset. I'm going to have my last Fire on Fridays column for Front Stretch talking about his mindset. I, I just think that the frame of mind that he is in right now 
could not be better. And and we're going to talk about it in a minute. Um, but, you know, Chris Gabehart, you know, let's talk about it now. So, so this is the funny thing that happened. Denny Hamlin on Friday was meeting with the media and he was being asked, you know, hey, you know, if you don't win a championship, would that be okay for you? Like, is that okay for, for you to happen in your career if you were the Mark Martin, the best driver, to not win a championship? And he basically said, yeah, like that, that's totally fine with me. I'm very at peace with it. I don't need a championship to validate my career. And then Chris Gabehart heard that. He texted Denny Hamlin and basically said, hey, don't be spewing that stuff. You're going to win this race. You're going to win this championship because I have faith in you. This entire team has faith in you. And you should have faith in yourself. And that was kind of funny because Chris was asked about that in the media center. He was like, how did you guys find that out? And then Jenna Fryer said, well, Marty Snyder said it on the broadcast. He was like, oh, I should pretty much figure out what's on and off the record, shouldn't I? <laughs> so, And then Denny Hamlin in the media center revealed that he was up until 1 a.m. playing tennis with his boys the night before the race. And if Chris is mad about that, oh, well. But that's his release. That is what makes him better. And this is just another audio bite that makes me realize his frame of mind is just so much better than anybody else in the garage right now. And that is why I think he's the championship favorite to win. That's going to be news to Chris, so I might get a text about that one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we were betting 100 bucks a game, and, I mean, I was kicking their ass. And it felt so good. So I figured, listen, if I can get in Larson's head early, this is the way to do it right here. So, uh, no, but I, for me, I mean, I just – we enjoy hanging out. We, we like all the same things. Um, and so it's, I can tell you being around those guys and my group of friends, it takes stress off of me. I, I don't think about racing nearly as much as I would if I was more isolated. And so I think that that, uh, it's a way for us to relax. And I think that it's, it's, it's good for all of us for sure. And I want to end the bites from Denny Hamlin with some more flashbacks from 2010, taking us almost inside of his own head. Well, I remember uh, the day before the race saying, "I no, guys, I can't. I can't do anything. I need to get a good night's rest and, and, and this, that, and the other. I, I went to bed way, way earlier than, than what I should have um, and, and really just overthought it. I mean, I'm not going to overthink it this time. Um, I'm just going to do my thing and have fun and enjoy the moment. Uh, I, this is, we are on definitely on house money right now. So let's, uh, let's, let's enjoy it. He's not going to overthink it. He's going to do his thing and enjoy the moment. You heard him say it right there. Enjoy it. That's what they're going to do. So now let's hear from the crew chief who made the call. That was obviously the race winning one and set up the race car, which was obviously a race winning one. Chris Gabehart. This is his final call on pit road. I was actually right there in the pit box and it looked like there was a bit of a mini hiccup on the right side because there was a little bit of a go, 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 stop, go, go, go. But listen to what he says here at the end. Yeah, no, we, we had no issue. I, I was definitely not wanting to see that last caution. I would have been great with a nice, boring walk-off home run, but it did not turn out that way and forced to make uh, a really tough decision. And, um, again, I just – I've done it several times now. Um <laughs> We we'll have to come up with a different play, but um, winners want the ball, and Denny Ham was the winner. So I'm going to give him a front row restart and let him get it done, and he did it again. Winners want the ball. Denny Hamlin is a winner. It's a pretty good soundbite, huh? Pat DeCola tweeted that it was, and I, I pretty much agree. And I, I really like when crew chiefs and drivers kind of compare NASCAR to other sports. Some people are like, well, it's our own sport. Don't, don't compare it. I, I, for one, like it just because I'm a sports fan in general. I thought it was a really cool analogy that he made there. And, of course, team owner Joe Gibbs on having the number 11 of Denny join the other two drivers and Kyle Busch, spoiler alert, that's who made it, and Martin Truex Jr. in the championship for the first time in the history of this format that three drivers in the four have come from one organization. I think Chris and Denny, it just, we went 37 weekends. You raced short track, road racing intermediates, all the things that you got to do. And then it comes down to having come to a place like Phoenix and say that you have to win. And that is so hard in our sport. It's a very, you're racing the best people in the world. And so I couldn't be 
happier uh, for Coy, myself, JD. Uh, I called Melissa, uh, JD's wife, and Pat, my wife, and said, JD's going to get to go to Homestead. He's going to be on that car. I really think he's been a part of this whole year for us in the 11 team. I, I was emotional today and still am. I can't thank everybody enough. It's a thrill for me to be a part of this, and uh, it was just an awesome day for us. We'll hear a little bit more from Coach later, but how about Denny's JGR teammates, Truex and Bush, on the information sharing that now is going to go on that three of their four drivers are competing? Here's Martin and Kyle. I wouldn't think so. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone, but I'd feel like I feel like we're all here because we work together. Um, our teams work together really, really well. Uh, we've got a great group at uh, at Joe Gibbs Racing, and I would assume all the way till Sunday morning we'll probably all work together. But that's just you know what I think. So we'll see what everybody else wants to do. Yeah, no, I agree. I think. Um... You know, we've done that. We've done that in the past with Carl and myself, and um, I wouldn't imagine it would be any different now. It's just a matter of, you know, all of us um, doing what we do throughout the work uh, week for preparation and everything and getting down there. And, um, you know, last year Martin and myself were in, and um, I guess he wasn't really a teammate, but in reality they kind of still were. And, um, you know, we worked together all the way to Sunday. They were they were really, really fast and, and better than us. Same with the Carl. He was fast in that year you know and then the 17 right when you won we were really fast just didn't have track position so um I think Denny said it best in the piece that we did for Fox which was just um you know once you start to kind of hold back anything then then that just can kind of snowball and be bad for everybody so um I agree with him on that and the lone soldier Kevin Harvick (laughs) came into ISM Raceway is basically a test session because this is going to be next year's championship finale and he was already clinched, so did you learn anything? No, I think we're pretty confident that we're, you know, like a fifth-place car. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think that's about what we thought coming in here, and that's about where we were the first race, so we just got to we gotta do something different. The first driver out of the championship four, but he was 20 points in coming into the race, was Joey Logano. Now, if you look at the stats sheet, you might say he had a pretty good day. One stage one, or stage two, excuse me, gained 17 stage points during the course of the day, but his car fell off big time. So he will not get the chance to defend his title. They made a small air pressure adjustment, and then the car just went completely south, tightened up way, way, way too much. We asked him afterwards, what happened? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh... It went from a really good car to a car that couldn't stand a lead lap with changing tires and a half ton of air. So, uh, so a lot of things don't line up there. That doesn't make any sense. The car shouldn't do that. Um, but it, it did. And, uh, you know, once we put tires back on it, we got to where we can run competitive at least again. But we were so far back, and I was running so hard trying to get back to the 11 uh, that we just ended up using it up again. But... Uh, needed a caution at the right time and, and we didn't get it uh, to try to get back up there and uh, just uh, it stinks I, I, you know we did the, the first half of the race really well uh, you know we had a, like I said we had a fast car we scored a ton of stage points and, and to the point that we can tie the 18 all I had to do was finish in front of them uh, which was the goal and uh, it went bad from there so I don't get it uh, but it just wasn't our year I guess um, you know so I don't know what to say. You know, you up there wishing that somebody <laughs> gets up there and passes them, but the 18 wasn't going to pass him. Uh, he could have, but he wasn't going to, um, obviously, to, to have their all their cars in. So uh, it's what it is. We move forward. His Penske teammate, Ryan Blaney, also didn't make it, but had the best shot out of the other guys at the end of to win the thing. Thought he may have come out of nowhere for a minute or two and steal this victory and get into the championship four, but just wasn't really meant to be for the 12 team. Got better all day. Um, thought we did a good job of getting better. Long runs all day and short runs too, and just overall better. And, and passed a couple cars. We were behind the first couple runs, and um, but just nowhere near in the league. That, especially the 11, but even the 18 and the 19 we're in. Um, we got to do our, our homework. We got to start working on that. But um, really proud of the whole group uh, for today, but the whole playoffs as well. And just um, you know, stinks you miss it, but uh, solid day. 
Never really was a factor to have race-winning speed or a race-winning car all day, but he did have a chance. That was Kyle Larson. He also is out and will not get to compete for the championship at Homestead. I wasn't surprised by it. I was I was glad to stay in front of the 11 uh, before that final caution to uh, give ourselves a, a shot at least. Um, I, I felt like I just needed to line up in the outside lane to have a better better opportunity to uh, drive to the front. Um, you know, I knew I could get to the VHD and, and have a lot of grip, but uh, just had to spin a lap around the bottom, um, and that that hurt us. I mean, I don't know if I'd have got the 11. He was obviously really really good, but. Um, I would like to had a better better shot, you know, with lineup on the outside. Chase Elliott was the other driver who had a shot coming in, but he wrecked while running second at the beginning of the final stage. He had to win to get in. Unfortunately, did not happen for him. So before we move on to the K and N race, I, I want to kind of address the elephant in the room, and that was the race itself. I kind of teased it off the top, but the package on this track is, and I wrote in my notes, trash. It, it just is. Like you cannot pass. Uh, there's not a lot of passing up front. I think Matt Weaver tweeted a statistic about passes, green flag passes for the lead on short tracks. It's pretty much just non-existent. Richmond, this package is not conducive to good racing. Same thing at Dover, same thing in Martinsville, Bristol, eh, to a lesser extent, but still not great. And Phoenix, not, not great, Bob, not great. So here's Joey Logano on what the race felt like itself inside the cockpit. Why was it so hard to pass? Did anything help it? Like, did the PJ1 help it? What was the deal? Yeah, I thought the PJ1 helped a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's a challenging place to pass. Uh, it's, it's a really hard track to pass. And there's not a lot of, I mean, there's fall off, but there's not like a ton of fall off to where there's comers and goers. It just seems like a lot of times you kind of, and being a lead has such an advantage. You know, these spoilers on the car, you get behind another one, it's tough, real tough. Uh, so um, that's that's the reason why. And, uh, I mean, I thought the racetrack got pretty wide. You know, it got to the point that you can get pretty wide, but uh, you couldn't overcome the advantage of clean air. And Ryan Blaney as well, echoing some similar sentiments as his teammate. I think what he says here pretty much hits the nail on the head. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was tough for sure out there. Um, I thought the PJ1 did a little bit, not much. You could at least go up there and get small runs, but it wasn't. They weren't big enough, so they got to figure out something for this race because it's 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 going to be a letdown if it if it's like that and it's a championship race. So um, hopefully they can figure something out. I thought it was a start. Just need to keep doing their homework on it. I mean, they got to do something, right? You, you you cannot bring the same package back next season not changing anything and expecting the PJ1 being down a lane and or a lane and a half to help things and make your championship race good. Like it, it's not going to work like that. It this package was meant to make mile and a half racing better. It has achieved that at the expense of road course and short track racing itself. So I I don't know if they could cut the spoiler off, cut the spoiler down, create a new package for these types of tracks. I doubt that will happen. I just don't know what's going to go down, but God, I hope something changes. I also caught up with Eric Jones on what he thinks the week at Joe Gibbs Racing is going to be like now that he he knows that his three teammates are going to be competing for the title. He's kind of on the outside looking in, but we wanted to get his thoughts on what the vibe's going to be like. It's a little different, you know, than any other week. You kind of go and, uh, you know, everybody, obviously they're working for all three cars and all three cars are going to be very equal going into that race, but... Each team probably goes a little more dark than what they do in the past with sharing information this week. Um, you know, just because you want the best man to win. Obviously, you want one of our cars to win, but I feel like those guys all have a really good shot, and, and you want each of them are, are striving for themselves. So a little bit less sharing of information, I think, but, um, you know, still a lot of the same policies in place, but definitely a little bit. There's, there will be no teammate help, I would guess, in the race uh, through anybody. So it'll be fun to watch. 35 down. One to go. Can you believe it? We're in the home stretch. It's almost over, folks. Speaking of being over, the last ever in the history of KN, KN Pro Series race, the Arizona Lottery 100 at ISM Raceway. A couple people have asked me, is KN going away? I'm like, yes, but the series itself is not it, of course. We know this. It's morphing into the Arkham Menard Series West. Then he got the Arkham Menard Series East. Then he got the Arkham Menard Series. Then he got the Arca Showdown. 
there's a lot of moving pieces going on. But K&N itself, this is the last race as the entitlement sponsor of the series. It was a 10-year run, and it was fun. So let's talk about the race. Sam Mayer dominates the first half, leads from the pole, but restarts were his downfall. Let's fast forward to lap 71. Ty Gibbs, running for actually Levine Racing with a partnership with Joe Gibbs Racing, sent it down low and got by the number 21 of Mayer, won his second career race, second of the season, and first on the West Coast. Had to survive a couple late race restarts. He did it pretty well. He survived a couple overtime restarts, and he earns his first career k West victory and second overall in the series this season. What were the nerves like as that race was winding down? Because there was a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I feel like, um, you know, those restarts really got me kind of flustered there. I got, I got nervous there for a little bit there, and, and then um, I, I could really set up on the restarts. Um, that was where I could get them the most, and, um, you know, we just persevered, start in the back, and then the car so good we get to victory lane, so it's, it's a really cool day. What was your mindset going into the restarts? Because I saw that you maybe laid back a tad, and then you gassed it up right when you got to the start of the restart zone. Yeah, um, well, one time I got hit in the butt, which you can go look back over there. But uh, that was probably one of the times, and um, you know, you just got to play with them on the restarts, and that's what I did. That's how I, I got them. I really, I don't really know if they could figure out how to do stuff on restarts, but that's where I could really hammer them on there, and that's how, like we got the win. So it's been good. You've won in almost everything you've driven this year. I assume this is a really, really nice end to 2019. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's been a really good end of 2019. You know, I'm gonna go on vacations now. I gotta take some time <laughs> off, <laughs> but it's been, it's been a great year. Now I can't thank these guys enough. That's, or help me get the victory lane. So it's been a good year. Some R&R time for Ty Gibbs and a monster way to end 2019. Oh yeah. His grandfather Joe Gibbs was watching at their pit box, and I was actually at their pit box watching him watch Ty. So I wanted to ask him about that after Denny won on Sunday, what he thought of Ty's performance on Saturday. David Siegel with Front Stretch. Questions for Coach. I saw Ty was watching the end of that race at the 11 pit box. What do you think of his performance last night? I was thrilled for Ty last night. We uh, didn't pass inspection, so he had to start in the back of the field. And when he got up there about halfway, I was really proud of him. He had about four restarts at the end, and so we're thrilled with Ty. I got seven grand boys and one grand girl. She's horses. I found out that's expensive. Uh, but <laughs> the boys are all in stick and ball. That's much more reasonable. Ty, from the time he was two, wanted to race. And uh, we're thrilled and uh, thrilled to see him get an opportunity. So that's going to be fun. But the story of the night was Derek Kraus. He officially was crowned the champion. All he had to do was start the race and he would have clinched. So he did that. And once they took the green flag, it was business as usual. But afterwards, he had a little bit of fun. He tried to pop the champagne or the sparkling apple cider. Did not have that much success. He doused me in it, which I was very appreciative of. Jokes. I got very wet and sticky. But here was Derek Kraus chatting about the fact that he accomplished his dream. He's a NASCAR champion. Well, Derek Krause has said all of his life he's dreamed of becoming a NASCAR champion. And Derek, this thing is now yours. How does the dream compare to reality? It feels really good. I mean, we had a really good season this year. If we had a bad night, we were able to capitalize on it and do as much as we could to make the bad night as good as it could be. So I really can't thank all these guys enough that are behind me. They worked their tails off on this race car to get it as good as it is at every single race. And finished year off strong here at ISM, finishing fourth at the start and towards the back of the field. So it was a really good night and I'm really excited for the next following years. You came into this season with a lot of expectations on yourself, a lot of pressure was on your shoulders, and what did you do? You won seven times, you just threw all that off of you. How did you manage those expectations and that pressure that was on you so well? Well, it was just, we just had to focus week by week. We had to take it one race at a time, and we just had to be there and execute every single race, and I feel like that's what we did. Like you said, we got seven wins this year, which is really good for us, two on the East Coast and then five on the West Coast. So it's a it's been a really big year, and to cap it off with the season championship, me and the 2019 k West Championships, is, it's, it means a lot to me. Three full-time seasons in this series. You started when you were 15. Now you're 18. You've grown. You've matured on and off the track. Take me through that maturation process. Where were you three years ago to work compared to where you are now? I feel like three years ago I was way too aggressive, and I uh, used the tires up way too soon, and now I feel like I make way smarter moves on the racetrack and put the car where it where it can stay and uh, stay under control. So I feel like being in the series three years helped me learn a lot, and then it helped me learn. It's really big for me. Your celebration was pretty good, too. I know that you've been waiting to break that one out. You, where'd you learn to do those donuts? I don't know. I just know to put all the all the front brake in as I could and stood on the brake and the gas at the same time. So 
Uh, I don't know how it did or how it looked, but I saw a little bit of smoke, so that's good. It, it looked pretty good. And also, what was the trouble with you opening the sparkling apple cider? You couldn't get it open. I don't know how to open. It was, they said it was twist top, but it was way too hard. We had messed up this table yeah. trying to break them off, but uh, it was really cool. Well, Derek, your dream is now a reality. 2019 K&M Pro Series West Champion, it's Derek Krause. Crew chief on the 16 for Bo McAnally Racing, John Camilleri. He allowed himself to soak in the moment a little bit, which is rare for him. Bo McAnally Racing has won nine championships, but Derek Krause's first is also his crew chief, John Camilleri's first. You don't crack a smile often, but you're pretty smiley tonight. How does this feel, man? It, it feels amazing. Um, we, we've worked hard for this. We really wanted this last year. We just had a lot of bad luck. Um, the kid's bound and determined and usually keeps pretty good, pretty positive attitude, and we help him along with that, and he's come a long way um, from the first time I saw him jump in a car when he was 15, looked, looking like he was 12. Um, <laughs> Still does, by the way. No, he, he's grown up quite a bit <laughs> now. Um, I'm proud of these guys, him. Um, you know, I couldn't be happier to be part of this Bill McAnally racing team and family. And uh, I really don't know what else to say. I asked Bill. He's done this a couple times. I mean, you've been around this organization. You know what it's like to win and win championships. But, I mean, just look around. Take it all in for a second. I mean, what are you going to remember most about this night and this moment? Um, well, the crew chief branded me. His car wasn't good enough to go get it done. <laughs> but uh, we got held up on the restarts a couple times. But, um I don't know. It's just I, I'm trying to let it all soak in right now. It's probably going to hit me when I get home. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so the car tonight, I know it wasn't a race-winning car by any means, but throughout the season, you guys won seven times. And coming into the year, you guys were championship favorites. You had all the pressure on you guys, yet you still delivered. How did you guys stay hungry throughout the year and keep delivering race after race? We come to every racetrack the same, wanting to win. We come there to win. And that's the only thing that's on our brain. We go qualify, and we see what we got. We make the best, and then championship mindset comes in, and we finish the best that we can and try and get the most max points that we can for that weekend. Go back to the drawing board and come back at it again, hungry for another win. That's all we want to do is we show up to win every, every weekend. Soak it in. We'll do. Hola, Victor. Hola. <laughs> Team owner Bill McAnally earned his ninth title but his first with Derek as the driver. Nine championships, Mr. Bill McAnally. Derek Krause is a heck of a driver. You've had him for a few years now. What makes this one different and special to you? Well, it's always fun to have a driver win his first championship, and Derek is such a special young man, such a great race car driver. It's just a, a pleasure, so rewarding to be part of this and see him get his first NASCAR championship. John Camarelli, his crew chief, his first championship. So it's neat to bring these new crews, drivers forward, and let them experience what it's like to be a champion. And like I said, this is no new rodeo to you, so you've done this a few times. The partnership between John and Derek, I mean, going into the season, there were high expectations. He was the clear favorite to win it, and they delivered very well because they won seven times. Were you expecting that much success out of them? Uh, Derek knows how to win. I mean, he started off chasing Todd and Chris Eggleston yep. around, and they taught him how to do it. He just he needed them to not be there to get those wins, <laughs> and he right. got that wish this year. And you know, like I said, he's just special. What's the future look like for you guys at Bill McAnally Racing here, specifically with K&N? That's going to be newly rebranded into the Arkham Menard Series West. We're working on it now. We've got a great partner, Napa Auto Parts and Toyota and, and Enio. So many people that help and support us. We're pulling it all together. We're waiting for a schedule so we can finalize things. But I think Derek's going to be doing some truck racing, and we're working hard to have some great new young talent and some uh, Arkham Menards cars. That's right. I mean, look at this. Trophies, confetti, apple cider, sparkling cider. <laughs> D does this ever get old for you? No, it's what it's, what it's all about. Seeing, seeing these guys hit the pinnacle of what we're doing is pretty cool. Good luck in getting number 10. Congrats. Thanks, Steve. Be on the lookout next week for a piece on NASCARHometracks.com on Derek Krause's family aspect of things because I think that they have a, a, an interesting dynamic. So I wanted to catch up with each member of their family, starting with Mark Krause, Derek's father. I think what he said here has holds a lot of weight and means a lot to Derek and to the family in general. One proud papa, Mr. Krause, can you soak in this moment for me? Tell me what it feels like to know that your son has achieved his dream. He is a NASCAR champion. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty humbling from where we started in the go-karts when he was nine years old and just moving up the ranks. And I, I guess now he's got the ticket to move up again because I never 
I never let him go unless he won a championship and what he was doing. I mean, so he did it in the carts, he did it in bandoleros, he did it in the Midwest trucks, won a bunch of super late model races, was rookie year in that, moved up K&N. We ran this for three years because there really was nowhere else to go. He was 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. So um, it's just, it's been a long journey and he, he deserved it. He works hard at it. He loves racing. I mean, he stays in school. He you know as much as we can do so your whole family comes to the races almost every single weekend you guys are about as close as a racing family as i've ever seen but you are at every single race working on the car coaching derek does that make this whole year and this culmination more special for you to know how close you guys are as a father son yeah i guess i've never missed one i mean my wife has she's at home working uh i mean it's very lucky very fortunate that i have good family back at home that takes care of our business and does what i does does what they do my dad mom and my sisters my brother and my uncle and everybody that picks up when i'm gone so it's a it's actually a championship of our whole family at home and they can't be here tonight they're at my niece's wedding which is my parents' granddaughter and that probably wouldn't have been a good thing to come here i know they wanted to be here but it just couldn't happen so but overall yes I'm sure they're watching and, and, and they're very happy about what went on tonight. So I guess my last question would kind of be, you, like you said, he's won at every level that you've been at with him. So now obviously the next level would be trucks. But to soak in this moment and know what's ahead, you think this is just the start of something good? Yeah, I mean, Derek, you just main thing, you got to keep your head on your shoulders. And that's what I told him because different opportunities are going to approach him as he gets older, you know, and he could go one way or the other. And I hope we can keep him on the straight and narrow. Not, I don't feel there would be a problem with that, but it's just – you know you never know growing up but this is his passion this is what he wants to do and i told him this is what you want to do is you know you got to watch film you got to watch video he i races does that all the time with all of his buddies so i guess you know congrats all right thanks i like that never let him move up before he won a championship so now i guess he's moving up right and then i talked to his mom kathy kraus who bakes some delicious delicious banana bread by the way I said proud papa when I talked to your husband, and you are one proud mama. You go to almost every single race. You've supported Derek throughout his entire career and his entire life. This moment, all the confetti, all the glitz and glamour, what does it mean to you? Well, it's great to have your son um, be able to follow his dream and make it come true. Um, I don't know, so many emotions. I don't even know where to start. I'm so happy for Derek, for the team, for Bill, our family. Lauren supports him so much. It's yeah. great. It's great. And that's what I told your husband. I mean, this is this this family specifically mm-hmm. is such a close knit unit. And you know, every every racing family is close, right? But not every racing family goes to every single mm-hmm. race and works on the car and is in it with the team. That's what makes you guys different. Right. When we first started this with Bill, Lauren and I had a hard time because when we super late model race at home, her and I do stuff in the pits. We help. And here we could be just sister and mom, but we changed that. They help us with the food and they help us with everything. We help them. So it's great. It's a group effort, right? Super, super great. Congratulations. Soak it in and congrats on all the success in the future. And banana bread for you later. Yes. Sometime soon. I would love with extra cinnamon. With extra cinnamon on Lauren's half. Thanks. And then his sister, Lauren. So who's your brother first and foremost? He's a race car driver second. But you've been with him pretty much throughout his entire career. You've seen him win at different racetracks, different cars, everything. And now this is how it's all culminated. He's a K&N champion. He's a NASCAR champion. You know how much it means to him. What does it mean to you guys as a family? I think it's just awesome to be able to see him grow throughout his racing career and be able to come up and win the championship here and I just hope that he continues moving up throughout the rings because I think back home it just means so much to everyone that he can just succeed the way he is. Why is this such a family thing for you guys? Because you guys are at almost every single race. Uh, Well it started back in go-karts like we just showed up with our short little trailer, our family, maybe a couple other crew members but most through it all it's just been us and yeah. Can you believe it? The K&M Pro Series era has gone. Wow. It's been fun covering the series all season long, though. Maybe I'll be able to do like a wrap-up podcast or something once I get back from the Touring Series banquet in Charlotte. But just know I've been to every single race. I've appreciated your guys' support on social media, reading, watching, listening. It's been very, very fun. And uh, I'm sad that it's gone, but I could use a little bit more sleep. 
Let's look ahead to four championship weekend at Homestead Miami Speedway, the last four championship weekend ever. So sad. And the last season finale at Homestead for at least the foreseeable future, possibly ever. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of the races themselves, let's hear from the other Championship 4 participants in the Truck and Xfinity Series. So Justin Allgaier, he is the fourth guy that gets into uh, go with the big three. He wins the Xfinity race at Phoenix. It was his first race of the season, the first win of the season, I should say. Pretty good time to get your checkered flag, I'd say. To come out of here not only with an opportunity to go for a championship next week at Homestead, but to, to, to do it in a winning fashion. Um, you know, we weren't the best car today, by, by no means. Um, you know, Christopher definitely had the best car, but when he made his mistake, you know, we knew he needed to capitalize, and, and you know, we needed this momentum. We've, we've had an off year, uh, no questions asked. I mean, it, every time we think we're going to be in a great shot to go win a race, uh, things have, have gone completely the opposite of what we thought. And so we came in here and we said, okay, if we just if we just go do everything we know how to do and we execute all weekend and we, we do a good job in practice and we, we, we do a good job qualifying, we can win. And ultimately we did that. And, and uh, you know, I was worried about the points, even, even about halfway through the race, you know, the way that the stages were working out and then the pit strategy, the way that it worked out. And I thought, man, I, I don't know if this is going to work in our favor or not. And I was really worried about the points, and you know, ultimately, um, we went caution free at the end there, and that's that's really the, the difference maker for us uh, to go caution free and to to have the gap that we had early. I pushed really hard early to get as much of a lead as I could. I saw Cole coming at the end, and and Eddie the hot my spotter said, "Man, if you've got anything left in the tank, I need you to I need you to use it." He's running a really good pace right now, and I didn't have the heart to tell him that I was already going like eleven out of ten. I I, I had nothing left in the tank. Like I I was pushing for everything I had, and. Uh, you know, we just got lucky. Lap traffic was a was a uh, a big help for us today. We were able to manage lap traffic really well, and just ultimately, you know, had enough of a gap to the middle part of that run that uh, that we were in in good shape. So, really proud of these guys, everybody at Junior Motorsports. I mean, the, I look at last year and our five wins and and how great we were in the regular season, how miserable we were in the playoffs. And then I look at this year, and, and we couldn't have done a better job in the playoffs other than going to victory lane a few times. I feel like the, the guys have done a great job and, and really stepped it up, and, and uh, we got a shot at going for a championship. Anything can and will happen next week at Homestead, and I'm just proud of these guys that put, a, put ourselves in that position to be able to go for a shot next week. God almighty, does he love to talk, but we love him for it. Christopher Bell, we knew he was going to be in. He won at Texas. He is now gunning for the title. That's what it's all about. It all comes down to this one right here next week, so... I'm uh, I'm ready for it. I re I feel really good about where we're at. Our car's going to be extremely strong next week, and uh, we've we've prepared a ton for this. Ever since we left Homestead last year, we knew that this race is uh, where we needed to improve, and um, pretty much all year long we've been focused on Homestead. They've been preparing all year for Homestead. That's saying something. Hopefully it pays off for them. Tyler Reddick is looking for back-to-back -back titles, but last year he was the dark horse coming in Probably you would pick him fourth out of the four. This time, he's one of the favorites. Well, I, I would like it to, to end kind of the way it did last year with a long run. And um, being able to run up by the fence and just do what I what I enjoy most and just trying to go as fast as I can in the long run. But this is a it's a twin lap race. We could see a caution at the end. But obviously, it's just going to come down to who runs the, the best race all day, who uh, is there at the end, clear, obviously. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different variables. We'll have a different tire this year that – and what we had in the past so but we've ran on that tire before and we're aware of what it kind of feels like so it's whoever can do the best and you know that'll be your champion who are you gonna call cole custer is also one of the favorites to win the whole thing and he's won at homestead before in the xfinity series i knew we just had to kind of have a solid day and that's kind of what we did and i think that's the best we run at phoenix in a long time so i was happy with our day it's just a matter of we just need a little bit more but uh I'm looking forward to Homestead. We've been really fast there the last two years. It's just a matter of uh, you know trying to put the whole race together, and I think uh, we know how to do that. It's just a matter of uh, us executing it. On to the Gander Outdoors Truck Series. Getting his first win on asphalt, people forget that, was Stuart Friesen. Impressive performance. He started second, got sent to the back for a restart violation on the initial start, worked his way back up front, and punched his ticket to the championship four. That's perfect. Um, great timing to, to build some momentum uh, for the for the championship. Um, we have a great truck today that that you know GMS Fab Shop built for us, and uh, it's good. You know, we got our favorite truck. We're running next week that we've you know got a lot of time under our belt with, and 
going to Homestead with with you know a good notebook on that truck, a good notebook on the on the track, and um, you know some some momentum. So it's it's all good. Had a sick mustache too. I asked him about it. Basically said that it's been good luck. So might as well keep it going. Ross Chastain is going to be alongside Friesen at the championship four. He sounded awful after the race. I actually laughed out loud when I was cutting this audio. Uh, but he, here it is, nonetheless, short and sweet. <clears throat> My voice is gone, by the way, so uh, <clears throat> this is going to come out bad. Bet y'all didn't expect to see me here. Man, this is, cra- this is crazy, and I'm going to talk very little. Um, a dream come true, though. I did see him Sunday morning. I stopped him. I said, hey, you, you feeling better? He said, yeah, I'm pretty much over it. I was sick last week. So hopefully when we see him in Miami, his voice is going to be a little, little, little less terrible, I guess. Matt Crafton made it as the last truck in besting Austin Hill of a Tory Racing Enterprises. Crafton is the only Ford F-150 that will be in the championship. I didn't have any pressure. Uh, to be totally honest, I uh, went in. I didn't have anything to lose, just a lot to gain. And that's the way my mentality. I went in the race, and from the green flag to the checkered flag, that's the way I drove it. And I, I knew we had a really fast truck, and it was really good a long run. Didn't qualify quite as well as we hoped, but uh, I've won a race at Homestead before. I've won a couple championships there, so uh, I, I know we can do what we need to do next week. And defending his championship will be Brett Moffitt and gunning for the owner's title as well. You know, my main concern for the day was uh, outside of something catastrophic happening happening in the first stage to take me out of the driver's points, uh, my main concern was getting us locked into the owner's points as well. And um, that one, you know, lasted a little bit longer. Um, but we're still in a good position for it. So uh, we got both jobs done today, and we'll go to Homestead, and we'll go fight for a championship. Um, I told my guys after the race, I'm glad Homestead Miami is nothing like this place because we were pretty terrible today. So we'll move on, and uh, we'll go win. Austin Hill, I mentioned him a little bit before. He had a nine-point gap coming into the race, but will not be getting HRE another championship, unfortunately. Feels terrible. I just... Sliding the front end really bad, just couldn't put the throttle down, had to really wait on it a lot. So, uh, yeah, I hate that uh, we finished where we did, uh, especially after qualifying on the pole. I had definitely had high hopes for, for this race after qualifying on the pole and showing speed in second practice. But uh, we'll move on to Homestead and uh, regroup for next year. So the Xfinity Series finale is the Ford EcoBoost 300, 200 laps on Saturday. I have absolutely no clue who's going to win it. Allgaier is like the Reddick from last year. Reddick likes to run the high lane, which is going to come in. Seabell is prepped to the nines to win this race and win this championship. And Cole Custer has won this race before. So I, I think out of the three series, this is the most unpredictable one and the most even field. I, I would definitely say one of the big three is going to win it. I don't think Allgaier has as good of a shot as any of the other guys. If you made me make a pick... I'll just go with Christopher Bell just because if he were to go two full years in Xfinity without winning the championship, being one of the hottest prospects and hottest commodities that we've ever seen, uh, that would be insane. So I'm going to go Christopher Bell, but I would not be shocked if any of the other three drivers win it. Maybe a little bit more surprised if Allgaier does, but even then, I I wouldn't be surprised. Then you got the trucks, the Ford EcoBoost 200, 150 laps, I believe. On Friday night, I think Brett Moffitt's the guy to beat. Chastain is my pick, though. I I truly believe he has what it takes to become a NASCAR champion on the track and then just mentally in between the ears. I mean, the the stuff that he has been through in the past, I mean, we could say like five or ten years, but even so, just the past 365 days, that that stuff is insane to me. So I'm going to go with Chastain to win the race and win the championship. Uh, for the truck series. And of course, the main event, the Ford EcoBoost 400, 400 miles, 300 laps, Sunday, 3.30 Eastern Time on NBC. You got the 4, the 11, the 18, and the 19. Three of those are former champions. They have each won one championship besides Denny Hamlin. He is looking for his first. Who do you got? I don't know. I said the 18 at the start of the year, but... Here's how I think things shake out. I think Truex is the quickest driver. My gut says Denny's going to win. But Kevin Harvick is basically 
what Joey Logano was last year in the Dark Horse, and Joey Logano ended up winning the thing. So I have no idea. <laughs> I have no unearthly idea. I'm excited to see how it all plays out because I think this might be the most wide open championship four that we've had, at least on paper. And I think by the numbers, it's the most deserving because I think it's the four best drivers that we've had throughout the 2019 season. You can argue Logano maybe replaces one of them, but at the same time, the stats don't lie. I think it said 21 of the 35 races so far have been won by these three drivers. So, hey, you want the best of the best? You got him for breast. I will be on site all weekend long for Front Stretch, covering each and every day. Probably by the time you're listening to this, I might already be down there or at least on my flight or at Media Day. So I can't wait, man. Let go. Look, nuts of the week. Cue the music. Bubba Wallace was fined $50,000 and docked 50 points for intentionally spinning, admitting to that he did that. Dustin Long sought him out and got the video evidence of him essentially admitting to it. And Scott Miller, he spoke on that issue and why they decided to suspend him or penalize him, fine him, dock him points when they did. Well, so I, I would I would dispute that the data clearly shows that we don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of data comparison of a guy trying to drive a car with a flat tire. So, uh, you know, we've looked at all that, and I we don't really feel like it's as straightforward as um, as some of the others do as far as the data showing definitively that he did it on purpose. No, we haven't spoken to the drivers. This obviously is going to probably start some some dialogue. So. You know, so be it. No, not really. Basically, the, way, the, the, the reaction today was after a complete admission of guilt. So that's, that's really what led to the penalty happening today. JJL Motorsports, which is Jesse Little's truck series team, they announced that their assets have been sold to Logan Puckett, who is the president of Diversified Utility Group, a turnkey general contractor specializing in fiber optic telecommunications construction. <sighs> Breathe. And the team will be known as Diversity Motorsports Enterprises for 2020. And the last piece of Nug Nuts of the Week, Drew Herring. He's going to make his cup debut at Homestead Miami for Gaunt Brothers Racing. He has been the Toyota test driver all season long. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bop. That will wrap things up for episode 37 of Victory Lane 2.0. Do me a favor, guys, if you can. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. We're everywhere. We're doing a lot. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was a little bit more audio heavy than usual, but I think that it was deservedly so. This is the biggest weekend of the year that we're coming up to. It was also, arguably, I guess, the second biggest weekend that we just came off of, maybe the third behind Daytona. But this is crunch time, folks. I'm tired. I'm on my last legs, but I'm ready to end things. I'm ready to see a great race on Sunday at Miami, and I'm ready for you to enjoy it and come back here next week to relive it all. Peace and love. See you guys in Miami.